Welcome to CoinGeek Conversations. Now on this show, I often interview an entrepreneur about their Bitcoin business, just one little business per person. But this week, my guest is planning around 250 different businesses over the next five years. How can he do that? Well, it's because those businesses will be supported by an incubator program he's launching, which is called Satoshi Block Dojo. So I'd like to welcome its founder, Craig Massey. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much for doing this, Craig. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Well, so let's let's talk about this uh, Block Dojo. What do we call it for short? Satoshi Block Dojo? We just call it the Dojo. The Dojo, right. The one and only Dojo. So what is it and what's going to happen? Okay, so it is an incubator program specifically for tech startups, early stage tech startups, but specifically using the BSB blockchain. And the key point of the program is a 12-week uh, we cram an awful lot in, but we also, at the end of 12 weeks, if they perform, they get £140,000. Uh, that lasts them then 12 months. We then provide the seed funding for them up to about £1.5 million. So you've already uh, invited applicants. What, what sort of, what's the calibre of people who've applied so far? Well, we've had 35 applications. Of the 35, we whittled them down to six of which there are two Brits and four from overseas. And can you tell me anything about the kind of ideas that they're pursuing that use BSV? It, this is the interesting thing. So, so the whole point of Dojo, and I'll, I'll come on and explain more, but uh, the one thing that really shocked me when I came into the kind of the world of BSV was that all I seemed to see were kind of infrastructure type companies, but not many kind of actual real world applications. Right. And, and particularly, I understand in terms of B2C, business to consumer, because we haven't reached any kind of critical mass of consumers. But I was, I was really surprised that on the B2B side, there wasn't more kind of activity. Mm -hmm. so, so I've been pleasantly surprised in terms of the applications we've had in. Now, so just to kind of give you, let me see if I can give you a little flavor because we've narrowed it down to six, and it would be unfair if I only talked about three uh, and not all six. So let me see if I can just rattle through them okay. quickly. <laughs> um, we've got a very strong Polish crew who've uh, come up with an idea which is the legal version of Napster. We have a very strong Scottish contingent who they're doing a B2B play, which music to my ears, all to do with Microsoft 365, but they've come up with an idea much cheaper than DocuSign put a digital signature and therefore meet all the kind of compliance regulations of hashing documents, etc. We've got very strong crew from Germany. I really like it because it mirrors my background in terms of a B2B SaaS platform. And what they're doing is they've come up with a SaaS platform to allow corporates, but predominantly in the kind of the high-end market, to monetize their NFTs. But more, more importantly, to actually have a kind of track and trace in terms of the providence of some of those items, which is very important. Uh, we've had a quirky, unusual, uh, I think they call it the uh, Ninja, Ninja Girls. I can't remember something like that. It's, uh, it's a game. So it, just think top trumps uh, cross between kind of a sexy Pokemon game cross between street fighting. It's, mm. it's actually quite interesting. <laughs> 
We've got uh, another kind of B2B play, which is um, voice over Bitcoin, which is kind of micropayments, but predominantly for um, professional services, so counseling or mentoring, et cetera. So using Bitcoin as an audio transmitter. Yeah, well, and also as the kind of the, the, um, the revenue uh, uh, payments as well. Right. And then finally, we've got the Indian contingent, and essentially, they've come up with transfer-wise between India and the UK presently, but with 50% of the fees of transfer-wise. So a real cross-section of interest in all utilizing the BSV blockchain. Amazing. And how many of these ideas... Well, let's, let, let me just step back to the whole idea about an incubator, because we haven't right. sort of unpacked that exactly. It's sort of a school, isn't it, really? It's like it's a little bit like a sort of training program crossed with a school. I mean, Dojo itself kind of... Is a, is, a, is a training school for kind of martial art warriors. And of course, it's Satoshi Block Dojo. That was the, the kind of the play on words. There's an awful lot of incubators out there, but uh, other than Techstars, so one of our co-founders uh, used to be the CEO of Techstars UK for three years, and then he became the kind of global digital um, strategy guy. Um, so we've been leaning on him in terms of, you know, tapping into to that knowledge. So, and Techstars do a very good job on the mentoring side, but really most incubators, they pay lip service. They do a very small amount of work. They take usually quite a lot of equity for a small amount of cash, hothouse people together, bringing kind of uh, a bit of training. Now, we're very different. Well, you're raising money for Satoshi Block Dojo, isn't it? People, people can invest in Satoshi Block Dojo. Yeah. And then, so it's, in that sense, it's, it's a way of investing in the BSV ecosystem. It is. Again, let me unpick that because it, that might be a little bit uh, confusing. So, yes, we're raising £2 million in our business, which is the Satoshi Block Dojo. And as part of that, so that £2 million, they get 30% equity in the business. But that also entitles them to 3% ownership in every single one of 250 startups throughout the kind of the five years. So that's one half of it. But what we do for our startups is significantly different than anybody else out there. And I know the world of pain, let me assure you, you know, this is my eighth startup, and I know the slog entailed. And most startups, they tend to, in my belief, kind of end up wasting about 60% of their time doing important but kind of annoying stuff. And you can kind of split it into kind of three buckets, really. So number one is all the necessary kind of admin, whether it's legals, HMRC, HR, recruitment, all that kind of the, the admin type stuff, which we will do for them. We take care of all that hassle so they never have to lift a finger with any of that nonsense. We do all the bookkeeping, etc. Then there's um, fundraising. So not only are we putting £10,000 in, but we've got a fantastic, enormous kind of group of business angels. So over my eight companies, I've got a personal uh, uh, network of about 350. James Marchant, who's our investment director, he has upwards of 800 plus a load of VCs. So the idea being is the UK government gives very generous tax allowances to um, essentially business angel investors. Um, and you're allowed to invest 
up to £150,000 into startups in the UK, and the government will protect you to the tune of 75%. But here's the kicker. If that then goes and sells over three years, then you pay zero capital gains tax. So it is an incredible regime that I've used for every one of my companies, well, recent ones, and I'm tapping, I'm utilizing that for my investors. So is, that's where the magic figure of 140,000 comes Correct. So the 10 plus the 140, that then gives them um, a, a year's runway. And then we have milestones and check-ins with them all the time because the, the big game in town is, is raising their seed round for them. And that's what we're very good at doing. So we'll go out and get them the one and a half to two million. So they then fly the coop after maybe 15 months, and they've got at least 12 months of runway in terms of funding. So it, it, most companies go bust, usually about 9% in the first couple of years. We, we're giving them three years of life, and then hopefully they can kind of take off and go to venture capital. One question about this is, I wonder whether there is a difference in the funding requirements of BSV startups from just ordinary tech startups, because obviously you're using the blockchain, the Bitcoin SV blockchain, and a certain amount of technical stuff is already sort of done for you in that sense, isn't it? What are your thoughts about the, the need for uh, capital funding at the beginning of startups in the BSV? Is it less than otherwise? Well, we, it's, we go even further because actually our CTO, uh, um, Robin Cohns, is um, he's got a company called Vionex. Vionex provide a suite of tools to make it really easy for tech startups to be able to integrate with the BSV blockchain. So everything, everything from the database, MetaShard, from Sato Learn, etc. So we provide all those platforms completely free of charge for 18 months. We actually train them on them for, for seven days and they get a certificate at the end of that. So the, the, the big point of the dojo is we take care of all the hassle and the admin, we take care of all the fundraising, which means that the only thing left is the product, the solution, and the client. And this is where we go you know, three steps further than everybody else, because as part of our commitment is we will go out and find you a real-world R&D partner in which to, to, to work with and then to be able to iterate quickly. And... Let me tell you why that's super important. So the, the good thing about the starting eight companies is you make fewer mistakes every time. Well, you make fewer of the same mistakes every time. You always make loads of mistakes, right? So, and a big howling mistake I made with my last company, now bear in mind that I've been exiting and you know, there's all, it's always been a multiple hire next time and still made a, 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 an almighty great cock up with the last uh, company. And, and therefore, we were doing what's called a B2B2C play, business-to-business-to-consumer play, trying to boil the ocean, as the VCs say. And until and unless we got our first partner, um, we didn't realize that actually we didn't need to do all that kind of consumer-facing. So we pivoted. We ended up putting the equivalent of 15 Bibles worth of code in the bin, probably wasted, you know, best part of a million quid really, in terms of investor funding. And it really made me think, how stupid. If only we'd have got that R&D partner much earlier in the process, we wouldn't have 
pannied around wasting loads of time and so, money. So are you saying that the, the people that are f funded through Block Dojo are basically the, the business people and that the technical stuff is farmed out to this R&D partner? No, you're absolutely, I mean, our belief is that we, in terms of all our meetup events, we're trying to we're trying to get two heads better than one. We're trying to get a commercial person and a technical person. So, no, no, I mean, the, the BSV blockchain, even though it's a, you know, a fabulous piece of Git, you have to write an application on top of it and just utilize the underlying technology. But, but what, what is the R&D partner? What, what, how do they fit into it? What exactly are they doing? All right, so that would be the, their client, their customer. So, so let me give you a case, case in point, right? So the, the German crew... Um, are working with a, I think it's Munich football team, I can't remember. So what, which was their idea? So that, theirs is the a B2B SaaS platform to allow uh, anybody who's got a kind of a crazy fan base to monetize that through NFTs. Okay. And if it's kind of high-end, kind of Breitling watch, you can do Providence on it as well. So it's a great way to kind of generate brand new revenues for football clubs. That is an example of a real-world R&D partner where you're kind of iterating your platform because... If but, you but, but, so who's paying who in that relationship? We go out and identify the partner. Everything's completely free of charge for that partner. The only thing they have to do is provide rapid kind of advice back to be able to then iterate the platform. So, so, so you're coming to them and offering them yeah, a, a product. Partner. Yeah, No, but... You're going to the Munich people yeah. and saying, we've got these BSV founders who yeah. want to work with you. Yeah. And they, if you work with them, you're going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Precisely. So it's all they've got to do is give a, give a bit of their time. But of course, people who are kind of passionate about this, it's their first client. And it's a fantastic uh, you know, use case, case right. study. So, so, so none of your startups are going to be marketing directly to their own customers. They're always going to be doing it through an existing business. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, the plan is that we, we're trying to get them to create an MVP, minimal viable product. We think we can hothouse it and get a working prototype or out, out of the door in 12 weeks. The main point is, is that they will be significantly further forward and therefore more backable and fundable with investors than the most of the companies. Because they've got this link with an existing business, yep. which is already interested in them. Precisely. And so you're not making some product and then looking for your customers. And, and it's, it's, easily, it's easier to extrapolate out their financials because then you can say, well, well how many football clubs are there? Okay, and then you, you can even take that out. And, and then you are taking it upon yourself and your colleagues who are part of the, the central team of Dojo to go out and find these partners for each of the startups. Precisely. Nobody does that. So, I mean, we, we are putting an awful lot of work on our plate, to be fair, but... The great thing is having kind of exited before, um, you know, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a very good position to be able to afford, uh, go out and get a good team. So I've got, I've got a top-notch team who, you know, are the grown-ups in the room. They can, they can hold the hand of our startups and walk into a corporate and, and probably get them over the line in terms of the big... Well, it's a very interesting model because it's kind of a hybrid between just 
providing offices for startups and almost being a kind of corporate um, um, conglomerate in itself in a way because if you've got a single team having to go out and find these development partners in all sorts of different sectors, it becomes quite a complicated business in itself. Well, okay, so here's here's our cheat sheet. So I'm giving you all the secrets now. <laughs> but actually what we're looking... See, so again, this is another thing that I, I've not seen. You know, in, in my world, we've always got kind of loads of hackathons going on. Now, I think they're hit and miss hackathons, actually. No one does a commercial hackathon. So uh, we've come up with an idea which we're calling the ideation creation. Now, so our first one is in October, and it will be on the Internet of Things. I think the Internet of Things is an absolute perfect match for BSV blockchain, particularly industrial IoT. Uh, well, also, I think the first one, we're, we're looking to do it on insurance. Insurance has got miles to go. You know, they're, they're very interested in the telemetric, tele, telematics, is it? Uh, in terms of understanding people's driving behavior and then pricing insurance accordingly. That's a perfect IoT example via the blockchain. So. What we're looking to do is get half a dozen kind of insurance companies in a room together with a whole, you know, maybe 40 um, very smart um, techie guys from business school, people who are entrepreneurs or want to be become an entrepreneur. And what we're looking to do is we're trying to kind of tease out their pain points and trying to come up with, so it's like a, a commercial hackathon, hmm. trying to tease up, you know, and then we're saying, okay, well, which teams are going to be interested in that? We have a run a little competition, and then we see who wins that. I am hoping that we, we do one of these every couple of months. I'm hoping that we can get at least four or five brand new business ideas out of that. Now, the great thing is, if you can do it right there at the start, and you've got your R&D partner with someone going, well, actually, I've got a problem. Please, can you fix it? then it makes everything a hell of a lot easier, A, in terms of the, the build, in terms mm. of the solution you're creating, but also in terms of the fundraise. But it's very interesting because you're not going to the, the R&D partner and saying, I've got something I want to sell you. You're going to them and saying, I'm going to help you and it's not going to cost you anything, basically. Yeah, exactly. Which is a, a nice position to be in. <laughs> yeah, and, and also the blockchain is, you know, it's, it's perfect for big corporates. You mm. know, it is super scalable, it's yeah. robust, and all the rest of it. So, again, no one's done this. You know, it, it's a lot of work, but I've, I've staffed up accordingly and I've got the right kind of team in place and we're putting the right meat into, into our marketing. We just have to wait and see now. So it's, it, it's an interest of everything I've done, Charles, this is the most exciting and the most interesting, and potentially within four or five years' time, this is the golden goose that's hopefully going to be laying the golden eggs. That's the plan. <laughs> well, now you've you've talked um, at the launch of Satoshi Block Dojo about a little bit about your own history and how you have um, been involved and uh, responsible for eight startups. I think it is. This is the eighth. This is the eighth, right? Um, going right back to the dot-com boom days. Indeed. So I was going to ask you, you, you also said that you, you spent some time researching Bitcoin. You weren't yeah. really an expert in that at all. And um, some of this, I think, was um, an excuse to go and sit in Antigua for a few months, <laughs> which Columbia. is uh, well known for its uh, research capabilities. <laughs> um, and that you watched a whole lot of Craig Wright videos on uh, YouTube and so on. About 150 hours. Right. Um, that's amazing. And, and 
Um, what made you do that and what was your uh, reaction to them? Uh, it, so my co-founder, uh, Richard Bose, it was him that kind of got me all kind of hot, hot and excited. And I was like, oh, what a great opportunity this is. And the more he kept telling me. And then it was the disconnect between hearing that it's fantastic invention, it's the, you know, the next, it's the metanet, it's Web3 or whatever you want to call it. And then you get the narrative online completely dominated all about Craig Wright and what a fake and, and how he's not Stoshi and how. So it just, it, all it talks about is BTC and, and the value of a £35,000 coin. And it, nobody seems to want to talk about a really efficient blockchain. They talk about Ethereum. So I, I, the more I dug into it, the more I, I, I was shocked and, it, you know, didn't believe it. So the deeper I went and the more and the deeper you go, you actually uncover what I think is the most amazing opportunity. Um, and that's the point. So, and, and that opportunity is the one that Craig articulates in his original vision of what, what the Bitcoin blockchain can do. Precisely. So, the, so in terms of the you know, blockchain and Bitcoin, the original Satoshi Nakamoto white paper, and thank God he's now like wrestled the protocol back, but it, that's the technology. Like everybody seems to be getting their knickers in a twist about Craig Wright and him being very irascible and, you know, he's, he's controversial. But it, 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 it's, it seems like it's a sideshow. It's a storm in a teacup over there. So we, we should really be focusing on the technology. It baffles me. Does anybody know who invented JavaScript? Does anybody care? No, they, they use a piece of technology which they think is fit for purpose. And why major corporates are not doing the same? It's, it's because they're, they're distracted with all the kind of the, the nonsense of the BTC crew. Right. Well, one thing I wonder about this, and it's very interesting to speak to somebody who's sort of just sort of landed in this area yeah. <laughs> and can sort of uh, take a, a slightly more detached view of it, perhaps. Um, when you were involved in the dot-com days and everyone was very excited about the internet and everyone had an idea for a dot-com, you didn't have to sort of have schools and, and education programs and stuff to interest young people in the opportunities of dot-coms. Right. And it just slightly worries me that <coughs> when it comes to Bitcoin, you say there are a lot of opportunities and, and when you look into it, there are. But it seems that we're stuck with this sort of program of kind of drawing people into the world rather than them seeing it as obvious for, for themselves. Does that sort of worry you at all? Um, I'd probably challenge your viewpoint on that. I mean, we've done quite a lot of research. So we've got one specific person, which is Richard, which is he's in charge of entrepreneur outreach. And, and he's literally identified all the blockchain societies in the universities. Most average universities have at least 300 people in that blockchain society, which is quite surprised. There is also the Metanet societies, um, but there's also um, business schools. Mm. So there but are. How, but of those, of those students who are interested in this area, what proportion are sort of BSV supporters as opposed to just being interested in Bitcoin and everything else? It's a, it's a good point. But one of the things we want to do is we want to. to invite people in and then actually say, well, okay, guys, but yes, we're happy to kind of move forward. But have you kind of 
Have you done a comparison in terms of looking at the capabilities of BSV compared to anything else out there? We're, not, we're absolutely not going to build on anything else. We are 100% our BSV, and that's, you know, if you, it's right now, it appears quite risky. In two years' time, everyone will look back and go, God, you know, why didn't I see that coming? Well, I, I see it coming. So uh, we're doubling down, absolutely. But when you, talk to your sort of high net worth individuals who are going to be investing in Satoshi Block Dojo, and they haven't had time to sit on a beach in Antigua for yeah. months on end, <laughs> educating themselves. Do you have a sort of uh, cut down version of what it is that you've discovered that it's possible to explain to somebody very, very quickly that, that still makes sense? We need to do that. It's a very good point, Charles. The, uh, I mean, I'm in a decent position because my investors trust me and and frankly, they'll just, if I say, guys, pile in, they will pile in. Because when, once you've had a few successes under your belt and they know how hard I work and I'm not stupid, then they'll they'll just back me. Same with James as well. You know, James back James, even though he's had three exits, is actually... This is your CFO. Uh, is my chief investment officer. Chief investment yeah. officer. But he's, um, so he's, he's in charge of, the, of getting the funding for our startups, both the 140 and also the 1.5 to 2 million uh, 12 months hence. So he did even better than I did in terms of, of his exit. So we are very confident, but I, I, to your point, I think we do need to do... Uh, maybe a cut-down version, because we have a, a mixed bag. You know, people go, well, it sounds a great idea. You know, we get a double bite of the cherry. We, You know, the dojo itself is naturally going to kind of grow anyway because we're following the Techstars model, which means that we will be landing in Dubai early next year. We'll be in Asia. We'll probably be in Africa, maybe in Australasia. So there are, there are lots of cities that are likely to open up, particularly once we start with the whole kind of micropayments. You know, peer-to-peer -peer micropayments is, so IoT is going to be huge, uh, NFT is going to be huge, but we also believe that the whole kind of peer-to-peer -peer micropayments. And what better um, part of the world than in the developing world, where 1.7 billion people don't have bank accounts and they can't use the, the Visa MasterCard network, and they're probably only on a few dollars a day. You know, if you are making a dollar a day through selling content or whatever you want to do, or without having to pay Visa and MasterCard 30p disintermediating the, you know, the tradition, then it's, it could explode. I think one other thing that has changed in the sort of history of startups since the, the internet boom days is that Promising startups now often just get bought up by tech giants, mm. and they're not necessarily even trying to uh, build large freestanding businesses. They just want to get bought. What do you think about that in relation to BSV startups? Are we going to see more small companies that are perfectly viable as small companies rather than having to be eaten up by, by another much bigger and more successful company? So to... Well, let me take a step back and give you kind of a frame of reference in terms of tech stars. So they've done about two and a half thousand have gone through their program. They reckon 85% of those are either still alive or have exited. And I think they've done about eight um, unicorns uh, of a, a, a billion dollars valuation exit or more. Um, so that gives you the kind of frame of reference. Now, VCs 
particularly. Now, we, we're, we're the incubator, right? So we're much early stage and we're going to do their seed round, which is the round before venture capital, right? So uh, VCs have a, have a certain model and they're always banging on about um, the billion dollar unicorn, et cetera, et cetera. And they're not really interested in anything smaller than that because, you know, that's their model, you know, and good luck to them. But for an incubator who we are doing much more high volume, I mean, a VC company may only do kind of two or three investments a year, you know, and we're doing 250 over five years in one city. And then once we open up Dubai or Singapore or Djibouti or whatever, then it, we, we're working on kind of different metrics. So we're, we're quite happy to have a 25 million quid trade sale as well as some of the ones might be end up being an enormous exit. So in answer to your question, so Robin was chatting to a major corporate, that shall remain nameless. Uh, Robin Cozy or? Cozy, our CTO. So, um, and he, he's so plugged in, you know, he, he's our kind of PhD professor, understands all blockchain, used to be uh, on Ethereum. So he understands all the capabilities. And he's of an expert blockchain. geneticist. As well. Yeah, he's a very, in his spare time. Very sorry, he was talking to. <laughs> um, but he was talking to a major corporate and he was actually saying to them, are you not worried that actually you're behind the curve in terms of the whole kind of blockchain? And he's like, nah. He said, we've got a massive war chest. We will just buy our way to the front. So what is probably likely to happen is we're probably going to see quicker exits, trade sale exits, but at a higher valuation. So now, will some of them go, no, I'm going to go all the way to an IPO. I'm going to have a billion dollar exit. Or will some of them go, this is a crazy amount of money very quickly. I mean, my last company, we were out in three years and 10 months. And Zoopla bought my business, right? Um, so it can be done. So my prediction is that the early stage BSV winners will get snapped up at a crazy valuation, but really quickly. And that's great for my investors. <laughs> and is that anything to do with the, the nature of profitability of these companies because they're on BSV? I mean, is it, is it that you can see earlier on um, whether they're going to work or not financially in a way that is more difficult for a company that has to invest a massive amount of money to acquire customers or anything like that? I, I personally don't, don't believe that. I think what it'll be is that once, you know, bear in mind there are 147 main clearing banks or main banks, 88 have got RFIs, requests for information out there about the blockchain, including the European Union. Once they all then come back and once they've started to analyze, just like remember when uh, Barclays were the first guys who came out with the mobile app, you know, so we had nothing forever. And then every billboard you saw, it was NetWest or Lloyd's or Santander app. And they all went choo -choo 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 really quickly. So I think that's exactly what's going to happen. They're like lemmings. Once one goes, they'll all go. And I think that's when they'll just double down on BSV because then most companies will go, okay, just like there is, you know, there used to be five internets. We've only got one internet now. So, you know, there's hundreds of blockchains that I'm, my prediction is there'll only be one blockchain. And once there is one, everybody will then kind of double down on those companies. And that's why I think we'll see some big valuations. 
Well, that sounds really good. And good luck Fingers with crossed. Satoshi Block, Dojo, Craig. And <laughs> thank you. We'll be following the story over the coming months and years, I hope. And thank you very much well, for your thank time you today. Very much. Thanks very much to Craig Massey. And we look forward to following all the new businesses that will be part of Satoshi Block Dojo as their program develops. If you're watching this on video rather than just listening, you'll have seen that I was actually with Craig in our London office rather than talking to him remotely. It was great to get out and about again and to celebrate these are a few shots of London that I took on the way home. Next week's show will be the last before the CoinGeek conference in New York on October the 5th, 6th and 7th. So I'm very pleased that Jimmy Wynn, the host and producer of the conference and the founding president of the Bitcoin Association, will be my guest. We'll be discussing what's happened in the world of Bitcoin SV since the last conference in Zurich back in June. And also, of course, how you put on a conference when you're never sure who's going to be allowed to travel to New York. So please join Jimmy and me next week. But until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.